Welcome to the Intercut Weekly Must Watch, where we wade our way through the latest in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he loves tables, it's Arturo Zarita. Zach, you can't forget VR. You're the forgetting tables. one right now. We added the streaming mm. to begin with, right? That wasn't what we had back in episodes <laughs> one through ten. We're gonna have VR next. We're gonna have video games next. I mean, we do yeah, have. I mean, video I games already on dropped the one, virtual. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. There's too many mediums out there to keep track of, but we're doing our best here on Intercut, breaking down whatever is worthy of our attention. Uh, this is We're getting into these weekly must-watches now, every Monday yeah. at 3 p.m., so people can follow along live on YouTube with us and let us know what they've been watching, uh, and, and you know, ask us what we think about our reviews during our reviews. You know, chime in with your, your analysis, too. So uh, hopefully you're able to catch up with us live, if not later in the week. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. But, you know, there's plenty of stuff in the world of movies and plenty of stuff in the world of TV. Which medium do you want to start out with, Art? Uh, theaters open? Theaters are open. A-list <laughs> is working. <laughs> While they're open, man, we got to start with anything that's playing in theaters. And while we did have a big week, I don't know about your theaters. Mine were empty, man. Really? Yeah, I went to go see my movies on a Saturday this evening uh, as we're talking about all the theatrical releases that we had this week. And I thought it was good. I thought it was kind of empty in my theater. There wasn't. Hmm. I didn't have that no way home crowd that you talked about for a certain movie. But (laughs) whichever one you want to start with, I, I still thought it was a pretty solid week for movies in theaters. I mean, let's go with the one that you're alluding to because Uncharted was the big release at the at the box office this past weekend. Tom Holland has yet another franchise hit on his hands. It was what did it finish at? Over forty million, I think. For the I weekend. think so. Yeah, I think he topped that one with him still securing uh, with No Way Home at three. So it's just like every other one is Tom Holland, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Holland is the box office in 2022. Uh, so Uncharted, it's the long awaited adaptation of the famed Sony video game series uh, about the exploits of Nathan Drake, a treasure hunter looking for vast lost riches with. Uh, his partner Sully by his side, played by mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg in this movie. You also get uh, some appearances from people like Antonio Banderas and Sophia Ali, Tati Gabrielle, a whole bunch of uh, actors that I'm, I'm maybe not as familiar with as mm-hmm. our leads. This is really the Tom Holland movie, like a big test of whether or not his status as a movie star, an action star, whatever you want to take it, carries beyond the character of Spider-Man because it's not his first crack at the bat. We've talked about Cherry. We we talked about Chaos Walking and we're divided on that one. We, we've talked about Tom Holland's various attempts at movie stardom outside of the MCU. And does it? do you feel like he's finally found it in Uncharted? I don't think Uncharted is terrible. I don't yeah. think it revolutionizes movies the way it thinks that uh, it might have. Not even the way that uh, the, the game might have uh, for a lot of people. I don't think he's bad in it. 
I, I think he's decent, and I think he makes a really good duo with, um, I was about to call him Matt Damon, dude, Mark Wahlberg, uh, and having that back and forth and where he's really found his sweet spot in being The Apprentice. Uh, I heard a lot of people having this sort of epiphany, realizing that, oh no, Mark Wahlberg, who I grew up with as the main character, is now the mentor. And I'm like, yep. all right, well, if you're dealing with that, now imagine all the kids who are so used to seeing him as the understudy for Iron Man, for Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Hell, when, when Will Smith was a pigeon, he was still the understudy for him, practically. So there's going to be a point where, where Tom Holland is going to be the mentor and mm-hmm. that's when people are going to have an existential crisis when they realize yeah. oh damn now I'm now that's my point I, I already saw some people him. finding that like just Tom Holland being a guy who works as a bartender being beyond what they thought of for him which is maybe says a little bit more about his face than it mean? does like just he's got this baby looking face and it's weird for he some people to even think face. of him drinking alcohol and serving alcohol I'll put it to you in two ways from what you it's just said. It's weird for some One, people to think of you drinking alcohol. But. <laughs> Probably, right? They're just like, why? <laughs> too much espresso for that man as well. Yeah. The idea here is that he has not aged. There was a meme going around about how we saw him grow in front of our eyes in the MCU. And there's a scene in Uncharted where you see a younger version of uh, him played by a different actor. And it transforms into Tom Holland. And mm-hmm. I'm laughing because I'm doing the math. I'm like, oh, he's finally not playing a high schooler. If you mm-hmm. do the math, he's somewhere in his mid-20s to late. And yeah. I'm laughing because in the Spider-Man movies, they took a picture, a frame from him and everything. Boy, has an age. You could rearrange the nope. pictures. Don't ever know. Nope. Bartending. Uh, Zach. This is the worst bartender I've ever seen in a movie. How can you do so much and yet so little? This boy did too He's got much one pretending trick. to be a, one trick, and he does it over every during a fight. He'll do it time. towards the end. He'll do it, uh, and then what does he do? He does the biggest cliche that a bartender does in a movie. Can I get a beer, sir? <laughs> you ever been to a bar? You don't just ask for a beer. Can I get a spirit? It is the goofiest thing, but he did train for it. So uh, yeah, apparently Oscar nominations. If he, if he couldn't get it for Cherry, what was he Uncharted wearing a mask? Really... Like, was he wearing a Spider-Man mask? Like, how do you not get noticed? Bartender, yeah. but it's not like he he hides his face during the movies. You know, you you know what it was? It was the way he was spinning the. the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look front. over here. <laughs> did it live up the uh, up to you? I guess. Whoa! Okay, <laughs> Look, Nathan. I can be Tom Holland. Um, <laughs> I no, not at all. I I didn't enjoy this movie even one bit. Uh, I that wasn't the case for the crowd that I saw it with. As I mentioned on Twitter, they broke into applause seven times during my screening. Three times during the scene where they find the gold. Like what? Uh. I, not the, exactly the kind of fi- film where I feel like it deserves that rapturous applause. But to you, Zach, but when you're gamer points and you got all the trophies and you played all four, this is that Bible right there. I will say this for gamers. Yeah. They have become the new book readers. Because people will come out of it being like, it was decent, but it's not better than the game. Yep. <laughs> you should go play yep. the game. Yep. So, obviously, I will say that. I think a lot of people who have played Uncharted realize it or know it as this movie, mm-hmm. practically, Indiana Jones, where you're watching these expansive cutscenes. But then you get to actually be in the game and you get to play it. So when you're adapting that into a movie, you know, it's the age-old question. How are you taking something that the viewer is actively participating in in a video game and just having them sit there? Right. To me, it has to be more realistic. You know, we're dealing with the Mission Impossibles of the world nowadays where you actually have Tom Cruise jumping off of a plane. So when I'm seeing an extended sequence, which begins the movie, as you see in the trailers, of him falling Mm -hmm. from the top, one of the biggest stunts from the game, uh, and that's also a bigger scene that they finish up later, you are still wondering... Is this any different than the graphics I got in the game, especially now that they remastered them? 
Thomas Cruz Mapather would be so disappointed in Tom Holland. He would be, he would never be in the movie like this. It's so artificial. That, would you I mean, give his last name? Mapather, I think that's his birth name. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, anyway, he uh, it, it's just like th- there's no actual sense of risk to these action scenes. Like even there's there's one part where they're just running along roofs. I think just to have a scene where they're running along roofs because they have to start a conversation. It's always cool to run along roofs, but like it's basically they start a conversation, run along roofs, and then finish the conversation without actually doing any fighting. That's the game. I, yeah, right? maybe maybe that's an ode to the game. Look, so I think ultimately, though, what bothered me was just how they stripped any kind of real personality out of this movie and out of the filmmaking. Like, it felt very boilerplate. Like, if you told me an AI wrote this movie, I would believe you, you know? Uh, and, and some of that is in the edit, too. There's a moment that a lot of people were making fun of on Twitter where uh, that's in the trailers where uh, Tom Holland at, makes the joke about... Mark Wahlberg wearing the tuxedo and you're too old for prom. Mm. Uh, That moment isn't in the movie. And there also isn't really like an introduction to Mark Wahlberg's character. He just sort of shows up Mm -hmm. in a way that shows that this movie was kind of hacked apart and they're, you, you don't get that flow, right? Like, you don't have, this is the character's entrance. You have to pay attention. Like, it, it's missing certain bits of filmmaking that help establish the rhythms of a film like this. Ultimately, when it gets to that, like, crazy big chase towards the end, it's big and goofy enough that I was able to enjoy it. But I think all the bits where they're building character in a way where you're supposed to get invested in the future of this as a franchise... It was so rushed and it was so so drab. I kind of expected that going in. I think we've gotten yeah, accustomed to video game sure. movies. Everything that you say is missing. You're right. They expect you to go play the games. I feel like that's <laughs> how, kind of how they're. I mm-hmm. mean, did you see the intro? PlayStation Productions. I thought yep. I was going to say play PlayStation Pictures. We're just going to adapt everything. I think we've gotten a Clank movie already. So it's once you have IP, what else can you make it into, right? And I, I'm at least happy that. You know, for us, whose medium is movies, it's still a goal for a video game to have the movie, you know? Yeah. It's not so much the movie having the video game while there are, you know, several out there. It's still, when will the video game get its movie adaptation, which I think is really good for the medium that we uh, adore and work in. In terms of its adaptation, no, it's not going to be anywhere close to the game. I did not mind the characters. I did not mind the banter between uh, Wahlberg and... um, Tom Holland, I think a lot yeah. of that comes from the director. We were saying this last week when we were like dismissing him, and I was like, wait, no, that's Ruben. He did Zombieland. I think he does a really good job with tone. He, he does a, a nice job doing a back and forth with uh, two characters who start off as strangers, come together, uh, and are able to establish a relationship. It wasn't so bad for me. I didn't think the mm-hmm. chemistry was too off. The flow of the movie and its editing, for sure. Plots here and there that you don't get too much of. For example, Antonio, he plays the bad guy in this movie, and he's playing it very sinister-like, right? He's got mm-hmm. this really cool line where he goes, you know, they're bidding for this cross right here, and my family, man, we fought for this so for so long that I personally feel too much bloodshed was, was, uh, was shed. Anyways, I'll see you inside. <laughs> he's got this menacing presence to him, and then yep. they kind of literally cut him off too short. Yeah. I think that we're in a we're in a time where if Uncharted 1, 2, 3, and 4 are video games, Uncharted 1 is a two-parter. If you're going to have the IP, then play with the IP. Spider-Verse mm-hmm. played before this, the trailer. 
they're doing part one and part two. I think that we are now in the era of IP and big blockbusters that people don't mind an Infinity War part one, part two. People don't mind you actually doing the story uh, and giving it justice because mm-hmm. they know that in the long run, Dune. they cast these two. Dune. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Zach. Exactly. <laughs> for, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cast two overly young people from the characters that they are in the video game right. because they, <laughs> they expect to, to have these for in. a while. So yeah. give them enough movies then. I think yeah, fans I are liking that, it. I, that's the thing. I, fans are liking it. Like all, I, I, my screening was full of the kids getting fresh out of their high school classes who are big Tom Holland fans, and they were all really satisfied. Uh, so we're, we're going to get more of these movies, and I kind of just hope that, like you said, they grow into their characters. Mm-hmm. They kind of grow into the writing. Maybe when they feel a little bit like less burdened with the idea of introducing this as a series, they can actually focus on giving us some enjoyable scenes. Uh, Can you explain to me what the line, Sully doesn't have any friends, I should know I'm one of them, means? Uh, That they were friends and now he's an acquaintance. So you kind of like lose one. You kind of like lose one, you know? Would you rate this one? (laughs) Uh, I'm going with the two star on it. Yeah, it's it's weak. It's weak. Uh, Story-wise, I give it a... I think it's worth a a rental if you're at home. Just rent it at a decent price. But if you are a big Uncharted fan, there is a couple of IMAX sequences that are shot in IMAX. And uh, uh, they they do them pretty well. Uh, So I would give it a junior price if you're a super fan. Catch those scenes in IMAX if you wanted to. The boat scene is so dumb. Park the boat, Zach. Park the boat, then go do the chase. But then it wouldn't have looked as cool. Also, how is this thing just not crumbling the instant you try to lift it? <laughs> I don't. I lot a lot of weird logic in this movie, but whatever. It's it's not whatever. that kind of movie. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it 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 got goofy and kind of enjoyable by the end to, for me. But yeah, that's it's, all it's you not, could ask for. Not I smart. guess. Yeah, oh, definitely well. way more national treasure than Indiana Jones. Even though they keep trying to make the Indiana Jones comparison. Hey, I appreciate the the shout out. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> the other franchise offering of the weekend doled out on Netflix, only on one screen in New York City. You could see it oh. on the big screen, but you had to had to be in the know. It only had it literally only had one showing. I don't know if that's some like contractual thing or whatever. No driving uh, in Texas? <laughs> they should have, right? Like Imagine this is the a kind drive, of, right? A drive in Texas and then you pay a dude to just go <laughs> down the aisles. <laughs> See, that's the thing is, like, if Netflix were more committed to, like, the theatrical experience, this would be a kind of fun movie that might have done some good box office, but they just want people to watch it on Netflix and forget about it by the end of the weekend. Uh, You love the metaphor. (laughs) Yeah, the central metaphor is just really powerful. It really spoke to me. Okay, so uh, we are – this is a sequel to the original? Like, they – I, I can never really understand yes. what they're doing with the chronology of these things. So we have about 10 Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, with the first one being one, as you know, like Halloween, like all of our favorite slashers, they it was just a group of filmmakers making a movie. Becomes a big franchise, uh, and then like Halloween, they restarted it. One of my favorite remakes is the O3 Jessica Biel one. They had uh, their remake and a prequel. Then Alexandra Daddario had her remake and a prequel. So now that we have our remake sequel, expect a 
prequel, I guess, to appear. If all of that's confusing, it's because it doesn't matter to them either. All they want you to do is watch the first one and watch this one because you're following a group of kids who end up in these fields in Texas only to come across Leatherface, the chainsaw-wielding dude who you don't know very little about, but he's supposed to represent all of the fear in America. Uh, but the only reason you need to see the first, because, one, it's really good, it's on Showtime, it's on Shutter, check it out, I'm a big fan of the franchise, is that you do have a returning character. Um... Who's already returned, Zach? The actress has already come back from previous right. franchises, not just as a cameo, as her character, Sally, already. She's passed. This is a new actress who's not even the original. Oh, wait, really? And man, were they trying... It's not her. It's a completely Why? different actress. Zach, because they saw Halloween 2018 That's the and, thing. Said, and said, let me do that, Zach. We're that in is. this weird we're in this weird period where it's like, oh, we need an old woman to come and beat this slasher villain up. Like, what? You know, I got to give respect to the last Scream movie that I didn't really like. It kind of broke that down, saying that everyone's yeah. going to do the same thing. Fede, who's the producer who's done Don't Breathe an Evil Dead, he produced this movie, and that's been his thing. No one brings up Halloween 2018, but he does. <laughs> He's like, you know what makes it different from Halloween? It's like, no one brought that up, bro. <laughs> he really wanted this to be an amalgamation of that, of how do you bring the legacy characters and do a little flip on, you know, the old coming back to face that uh, that uh, PTSD that they had, along with the new. Because if the first one was hippies coming into Texas, this is the, I guess they call them the Gen Z gentrifiers. <laughs> For a movie where the director says there's, there's no message, damn, could you compile a 10-minute uh, montage of all of the cringiest just one-liners that they have from accusing somebody of wasting too much gas while they're also pumping there as well as it's a commercial for an electronic car to all of the stuff that they're trying to say when they get to this abandoned town. This group of kids, uh, they're trying to create a restaurant in the middle of nowhere. Or like a community? There's, I thought it was like a commune. Yeah, they're in Aust they live in Austin, but they want to go outside of Austin and create another Austin. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw versus Gentrification is what they were going for here. The movie's got the kills. It That's has the thing. to be one of the dumbest stories. These dudes saw school... Sh they, they saw mass shootings, saw the word mass in massacre, and said, is there a metaphor there? <laughs> there is nothing. Um, this is a movie that says a lot without saying a damn thing. That said... I kind of like the kills. And if that's what you're going for, I think they did a really good job. I know they paid homage not only to a lot of the classic movements that happened in the original one, but they got the old chainsaw from back in the day. I thought it still delivered the 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 craziness that Leatherface is supposed to bring, the anxiety of following the characters along, even if it's probably like mid-tier out of all the ones that have come out. I don't think it's the worst Texas chainsaw. I don't think it's the best. I'm hoping that at least bare minimum it allows people to go watch the other ones if they care for them because it's a really creepy tale, especially when you realize what it's inspired by. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of these, especially modern horror movies, um, try to be about something, you know, it like capital A about capital S something. And yeah, and it's always, almost always completely unnecessary and doesn't feel like it actually sticks the landing. I kind of just looked over a lot of that stuff. And like you said, the thing you're there for is the Texas Chainsaw Mass Massacre. They gave you a big Texas Chainsaw Massacre in this. Like the, there, there are those kills that are really creative. The bus and scene, bro. Yeah, the bus scene is nuts. The I mean, script. I, 
the script, when it got to the bus scene, it literally says the actors were like, when we get to that scene, the script said, the massacre begins. And that's kind of dope. <laughs> right. So, like, I mean, I personally don't like this style of movie. I've never been a slasher movie person. So I, I did not enjoy it very much. But I kind of think it delivered on what you need from a movie like this, right? Like, if if you're going in it for big chainsaw kills, you're going to get big, crazy chainsaw kills. Mm-hmm. The, even the final moment in the movie, something that I personally really did not like, it's it was deeply upsetting. And I kind of feel like that's the thing you need leaving a film like this. So I don't, I don't know if I want to say it was unsuccessful, even though I didn't enjoy it. Um, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> It can be a bad movie, but it's not a bad Texas Chainsaw movie. Yeah, yeah. It and I don't. I've seen fewer of them than you, but I don't get the sense that this is like any worse than any of the other sequels. No, Zach, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's if you're looking for just uh, crazy visuals, I think this carries a lot of them uh, with it. But I wanted to care more about the characters, and I think that that's what the most effective. Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies allow you to do. You're with them and you're wondering, where would you go? And here, I was just questioning, why is your foot leaving the bottom of the bed to move a mirror so someone can see? You want to know who else can see? The Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Killer, bro. Right. It's it's fine. It's there. Check it out. But check out the original and check out some of the other ones, and especially the O3 one. They say it's going to be on Netflix. I... It could be blasphemy. I think the O3 remake is one of the few remakes in history that I think is better than the original, bro. I'm going to go out of it. Really? Really? I mess with that, that just one be heavy. A... Yeah. Yes, sir? All right. All right. Cool. It's great. It's honestly really well directed. We watched that one uh, as we were working for the LME, uh, for the upcoming on this one, and that that's a, that's a horror movie, bro. All right. Cool. Good to know. Moving on to the other surprise success at the box office this weekend, Channing Tatum's co-directorial debut, Dog, did pretty solid business uh, over the weekend. Made I think it was around fourteen million at mm-hmm. the box office for, and for a like a seemingly family friendly animal comedy. It, it's not expected, but these movies tend to do pretty well. So I, I don't know if we should necessarily be surprised. I think just a lot of people were mocking the trailer and mocking the fact that it's just called dog, dog. but, but it kind of seemed pretty sweet. And uh, from what you told me, it actually is pretty enjoyable. It's not bad, bro. We got to have a good time with it. It's not a well-made movie. It feels very stitched together and it's not like solid directing, but what it's getting away with is heart. It's, yeah. it's practically those Facebook videos of a dog having its owner come back from the military. Right. It's the, it's, you know, it's a cheat code. You know, you're going to get people with that. Yeah. And it Somebody all saw one of those that. TikToks and was like, we got to turn this into a feature. No, it, it literally is based off that. And it is that as a feature film. Um, I think the surprising part of it isn't that obviously people were going to enjoy it in some factor. It's that it, it's, it's a little bit better than average, just a little bit with some of the stuff that it's saying. But it's also that the box office of 14 supersedes Spielberg's West Side Story mm-hmm. in the Heights. Someone put mm-hmm. out a whole template of, in these three days, this is how much more money this movie got. That's crazy. But shout out Channing Tatum, man. This would have been a perfect Valentine's Day movie over here. Uh, it is a yeah. story of Channing Tatum, who obviously served, and they had this dog. Um, I believe the dog was Lulu. And the dog itself has now been decommissioned um, for two reasons. One, 
it's too aggressive to be out in public considering that it was overseas, you know, helping with uh, helping the troops find whatever they needed. But it's also its owner has passed. Channing Tatum needs to take care of the dog and deliver it over to pay its respects for the funeral. But then also the dog's going to be put down. Mm. It is a road trip movie with Channing Tatum finding himself while also finding the dog. It wasn't the dog that rescued him, or it wasn't him rescuing the dog, it was the dog that rescued him. There's all these shenanigans that happened, some of them which were pretty out of pocket. There is a wet Channing Tatum. We were watching, uh, I was just telling you, Jessica Biel, completely Mm -hmm. wet in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm -hmm. Alina was like, I don't know about this. There's no reason for her to be wet. I'm like, I don't know, it's an artistic choice. (laughs) We go sit down for dog. You gotta respect the director's (laughs) vision. The director's vision. We go see, (laughs) we go see dog. Channing Tatum go out into the ring. Gets wet for no reason. I look at Alina. Alina goes, you have to respect <laughs> the director's vision. <laughs> Who's the co-director by? Channing Tatum. Tatum. He knows Channing, what the people are there for. He knows what the people are there for. Honestly, I would have been mad if he didn't give us that either. Because yeah. Channing Tatum is there to sell that. And that would have been a perfect Valentine's Day movie for a lot of people. Uh, with it still having this heart of it. They used a dog almost in a way to represent veterans. You find a way to pitch this dog and its PTSD, the trauma that it has, and mm-hmm. you almost see the audience be more sympathetic for the dog than they would a person. And I found that so intriguing because at the same time in this journey, they're meeting a bunch of other veterans uh, who are in different states and, and they're seeing like, how, are you, how have you gotten to this point? Um, so there's a lot of commentary that I was surprised by because I thought it was going to be a very pro support the troops, which not saying that it's not, but it. It doesn't mind it's questioning it. Not and distractingly Jangoistic or something like that. No, it it actually takes the time sometimes to realize like these soldiers are conditioned to be these things, these killing machines, these killer dogs. Mm. What do you do with them? You are almost the same way that you could easily decommission a dog by putting it down. Are you not doing that to veterans? So I was I was surprised with the story that he was going for, and I think just overall it's very heartfelt. And when you get to that moment, so we were talking about the TikTok Facebook clip. Yeah, dude, he kind of has one, yeah. <laughs> so if you wanted to cry your eyes out and you don't want to do that in public, perfect rental. Um, nice. But if you wanted to go out and catch a movie that wasn't this big old blockbuster but something a little bit more heartfelt, it's not the best direction. It's not the best acting, even though the dog was really good. Mm-hmm. Go check out Dog as a matinee, a little junior price, if you will. Nice. Nice uh, family get-together movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Devesh says, my mom hates dogs. Would it still work? You I might think also she, like dogs. Nah, she's going to get really mad at the dog. <laughs> but then she'll also be really happy when the dog goes at people who, who deserve it. Nice, nice. All right. Uh, one more movie to hit from this weekend. Not that it's the newest release. It's been expanding and actually had a pretty good weekend at the box office going, uh, getting over right. a million from only a couple hundred theaters. Worst person in the world, somewhat newly Oscar nominated, the awesome film from Joaquin Trier. Uh, I previously was only able to catch a digital screening of it, so I got the chance to see it on the big screen this weekend, took a few friends who weren't ready for how sad that movie gets in the second half, but it's okay, we all cried together and talked about it afterwards and, and hugged, it was nice. Uh, it. I just want to give it another shout since it is now starting to expand into more theaters. So maybe it's going to be near you. Uh, I don't know the situation internationally, but you know, it's, it's, it's making its way out in there into the world. People, they're trying to get people to see it before the Oscars. Uh, I still just think this is a really delightful movie. It, it would have definitely been on our top tens had we chosen to make it among the 2021 releases uh, just at getting at the experience of life, particularly life, for someone who 
is of the age that millennials are at right now, where like you feel like you've gone through different iterations of yourself, but you're still kind of yourself. Like yeah. I think I think what's cool is it gets at the idea that people change and evolve, and a lot of, a lot of times you have a film that's about about a character's traits in uh, and that's who they are, right? And and they don't waver from that and this is a film that's about the growth that people go through i found that really really moving i also was just devastated by uh, uh axel's final little speech outside the, on the bench outside, in the courtyard the, yes yes man man it it hit so close to home this side uh-huh. and just and speaking as someone who literally is on here talking about movies every week it, it feels very uh relevant so i don't know man uh it, it is a very special movie that screenplay is amazing i'm hoping uh what- it get, has a shot at winning that oscar because it, it really is a brilliantly brilliantly written film um well, and the boy- performances are b- beautiful well, in it man too? They should have gotten some noms for that. And honestly, it was the most exciting reaction that we had out of the Oscar uh, nomination announcements. And considering that your boy for LP been doing too much press for that, let's go worst person. Two thumbs up for this one. If you get the chance to catch it, please do. I've seen people meme this on Twitter. But even then, it's that movie where they meme, but they can't help but like it. It's like the Absolutely. people who love complaining about Euphoria every week by tuning in and watching the entire episode <laughs> so they can be a part of the discussion. Uh, worst person is that movie. If you watch it and you don't really feel it, it's not that it's smarter than you. Just, I hope you get to revisit it in five years' time because it really is that movie that helps you look back at you. And, I mean, I, maybe it's the title being t- called The Worst Person in the World. I remember when we were screening it at festivals last year, we went into it thinking it was going to be something a little different. and it A little it, quirkier. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's exactly what it needs to be, and I, I hope the best for Joaquin in terms of what other movies he'd be making, mm-hmm. uh, and the acting, the actors as well, because I, I, I especially think uh, she should have got a nomination, Renata, I believe is her name. Um, Renata, yeah. And then the dude, solely off that speech alone, could have easily gotten a supporting, bro. Yeah. Easily could have gotten yeah. Did you see that New York Times article about him that he's actually a full-time doctor in Oslo who acts on the side? no (laughs) yeah so if that performance wasn't enough to blow you away it's also not being done by a full-time actor not just a full-time actor a doctor yeah (laughs) that's a little different literally like he's going he went from treating covid patients to acting in the worst person in the world it's unreal uh, shouts to Elliot from Movie Files who said worst person in the world broke me it broke us too man Uh, such a good movie Anyway, let us shift towards TV, because I know both of us have been keeping up with Abbott Elementary. You were telling me, like, you gotta gotta find something else to watch except for Abbott Elementary, because it's just, it's kind of that show right now, man. I think it has, it, I don't know if it has, like, the title belt, but it has the, the title belt for the, like, comfort watch division right like yeah. it is it's the easiest hang the the best group of people just the the easiest thing to click on and chill out to when you need to relax uh watching some tv right now i agree uh we have one more we're about to mention right after this which is grand crew but if you mm-hmm. were to bring in the how i met your mothers if you were to bring in alina likes this other one called uh, single drunk female i think that's a freeform yeah. one that's on hulu there's mm-hmm. a bunch of these just like the easy watches you know you don't want to sit down and just watch texas chainsaw massacre <laughs> the 10 hours of inventing anna a true story you know sometimes you just want an easy sitcom 20 minute watch we eat up at a bit elementary so fast that all i can say is 
gets our, gets our recommendation. It's on Hulu. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that it's getting the attention because Quinta is fantastic at what she does. This is mm-hmm. what she dedicated literally the last two years of making sure she could get this uh, off the ground, and it is worth it. Yeah. And, it I, is- and I, I was going to say, like, I just think shows like this often sort of don't get as much respect as something like a succession or something like a station 11 or yellow jackets or whatever, because they are light sitcoms. But I think this is a show that's like really, really smartly written in terms of how it's giving you the characters. Like if you pay attention to they're they're making sure all the different characters get a little time together Mm -hmm. early on in the season, right? So that you get all the different dynamics, you learn all the different uh, vibes that are going on. Even something as small as in the recent Tariq episode, uh, they did a little bit of a callback where in the beginning, Quinta is wondering, like, why don't I know these things about my, uh, this other character's boyfriend? And then in the end, he answers all those things, but they don't call, pay attention. They don't, like, call out that it's a callback. It's just a callback if you've been paying attention. Mm. It, it's stuff like that. It's really smartly written, to uh, me, really del- delightfully acted. To me, it's Definitely overly a big recommendation. smart, and it could be on HBO because she left yeah. HBO to work on this. But it's so smart that it realizes it has to reel it back. And I, I'm not calling it bad, but there's elements to it that I don't think mm. are necessary. The camera bit, the whole office yeah. stick. But she knows that adding that to it would make the show more successful than it being overly serious on a streaming premium right. network. So That's she, it works thing. to her. It works to her favor. And it's like, I forgive it. I think it's dumb. I don't care to the, for the little like camera movements. But yeah. it's, what's, it, it's what makes it more digestible. And that's the type of show that this needs to be. It makes it a very easy hang, and and I think that's it. You talked about how it's not an HBO. It's very hard to get a show on network TV and be this buzzy, and I think it speaks to just how well done this is. Um, but elementary sp- versus the Euphoria High School we demanded. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but but speaking of shows that are doing the network TV thing and good. actually being pretty successful at it, Grand Crew. It's so another <laughs> really chill hang. I've been really enjoying this one. I've been eating it up. Yeah. Uh, this this is a new f- uh, show from, uh, shoot, I just lost his name, but he was a writer on uh, Insecure. Um, oh. Shoot, uh, I have it right here. Uh, Phil Augusta Jackson is the showrunner of the show, and he was on Insecure. Okay. Uh, so he's he's picking up some of uh, lessons from Issa Rae and developed this kind of fun show about a group of uh, young professionals in L.A. Uh, who just get together and uh, they drink wine and, and talk to each other through their different romantic foibles. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you mentioned it earlier, but I think this show has everything that How I Met Your Father wishes it had. It has the delightful gang of friends who get together over drinks. It has the like relatable ups and downs of romantic life and married life and dealing with uh, potential uh, romantic interests. It, you know, it just has this feel for what it's like to be kind of a young adult navigating yourself through the world, but also like in being able to cut loose a little in moments. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. And this is my new obsession recently to put it on. I- I'm really glad that you've been enjoying it too. We literally binged the, I think five to six episodes. I think there's yeah. seven all last night while we were making something to eat. I think you're right. You hit it on the money. How I met your mother, which, uh, or father, the reboot. Yeah. I didn't hate. I think we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode. It's okay. It's fine. 
but you can feel that each character has been written to be an archetype and they try so hard for the viewers at home. This is this is that character that you like and this is the Barney Stinson type. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Crew doesn't need to do that. They are those characters. It's it effortless. doesn't need to pretend. And because of that, you ha- you get, like you were saying with Abbott Elementary, where the more you spend time with them, you start mm-hmm. seeing how they would react to each other. And it really feels like a friend group because you know when one person says something, you know exactly how two other characters are going to react. So you start feeling a part of the friend group. It's mm-hmm. called Grand Crew as an homage to wine. And like you said, that's what they do. But I, I thought it was going to be like, not boring, but in the sense of like... Um, the, that 70s show where they all just sit down, you know, those scenes where they just right. sit down and get high. I thought it was going to be a lot of that. No, sometimes I forget that they drink wine. Sometimes I forget that mm-hmm. that's like the premise that really connects them together. Because uh, right. you really are seeing this expansive friendship and all the different things that they do. And uh, now there have been some laugh out loud moments. We had a lot of ones where we had to, we had to rewind it back, dude. There's this one bit with a judge <laughs> that happens in one of the earlier episodes. And it's yep. how this one character responds to the judge that we were just <laughs> dying laughing. So... Uh, yeah, it, it has. I don't some know hits. if you got to the episode where they were working out, but the whole bit of those dudes working out together cracked me up. That might be episode seven, but okay. it's, it's really, really. Well, now funny. you just got me more excited. This is a really <laughs> good show. Again, I think this is an ABC one, maybe NBC. Yeah, ABC. But I know it's been over on Hulu. Or so ma- really, if you got Hulu right now, you get the episode. Maybe it's that. NBC. I think it's NBC. My bad. Either but way, yeah. Hulu gives you Abbott. Hulu gives you Grand Crew. Hulu gives you... I met your father if you want that. And it also yeah. gets the one that I mentioned slightly, which was uh, the Freeform show. What is Single Drunk, Single drunk female? female? Yeah, that one's pretty decent. I, I didn't care for it too much at first, but Alina's been binge-watching it, and I've seen some episodes in the back, and they get pretty funny towards, uh, towards the latter half. So a lot of good sitcom TV over on Hulu. It's going strong. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to get into American Auto. I've heard some good things about that. So maybe the network t- uh, sitcoms are, are making a little bit of a comeback. And I don't know if you call it a sitcom, kind of, but Letterkenny, I'm still behind on those eight, so <laughs> yeah. there's too much on Hulu. They, they just announced a spinoff, uh, Shorzy, uh, this week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, Movie Files, on the chat, he says that he heard it's like the office in a school setting for Abbott. For Abbott, yeah. Yeah, it is... Again, I don't care for the winking looking at the camera, but I, I do, I fell in love with the characters. I think that's why it's worth watching. Uh, I see Pink Sweet says, How I Met Your Father isn't bad, but so far it's proving why it shouldn't exist in the first place. But this is the IP that we have, bro. We're going to have probably Element, uh, Abbott, Abbott High. That'll be the next one, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of How I Met Your Father, just uh, to go a little bit off of the reviews for a second, uh, Hulu actually just picked that up for a second season, and not just a second season, a 20-episode second season. So they're in for the long haul on that show. I, I guess, like you said, they're they're cashing in on the IP, you know, better to, to use it than not use it, but... I don't know. I'm hoping they kind of find their feet, given that they have that much runway to work with. Sitcoms tend to... Cast. Yes, yeah, I like fine. the cast. Sitcoms tend to get better as they go along, but I don't know if it's, 20, it's necessarily earned earned that 20, order yet. Yeah, I'm cool well, with the get it. Get a season two, three, four, five. We, right. Don't bring us back to twenty, Zach. We just got out of that. <laughs> you don't. You don't like the long hang seasons. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm just sitting here waiting for the Grand uh, Grand Crew season two renewal because I don't think they got that yet. Oh, okay. All right, what else Let's we hope. got? Let's hope. Uh, I don't know if you've caught the second season of Space Force yet. I, I talked about it a little bit on last week's episode. I was able to watch all seven episodes of the second season, and I'm pleased to report that I think it's gotten a lot better 
in its second season. It might be a little bit too late, uh, too little too late. I don't know if they're going to bring it back for season three, but they smartly tried to make the show, speaking of The Office, a little bit more like The Office in that it's not so much all these different storylines that take themselves in tangential paths. Like They, in the first, like, three episodes of this season, all the main characters spent more time in a room all together than they had in the previous first whole first season, right? Sheesh. Like they're just having these fi- very funny people sit opposite one another and deliver lines at each other. The thing that you want from a comedy, right? Uh, I, I think it's it's gotten down, it's simplified itself, it's made itself more about the personalities and the interplay between the people. Uh, I thought Ben Schwartz was extremely funny on this season. Even Steve Carell's character made a little bit more sense to me in season two. So it's kind of gotten to the point where I feel like I would actually look forward to this returning for a third season, which is not something I really felt finishing that first season. Uh, okay. I think they improved a lot. I'll take your word for it, but I ain't got time to watch 10 hours of Steve Carell in a room with other people, but... All right. <laughs> oh, and I hate episodes. One. I ain't got the five hours hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> Only seven episodes. Oh, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, but I, it feels a little bit like they're trying to get rid of the show, just to sort of quietly dust it off and or dust it off to the side. I don't mm-hmm. know. Did you catch any of Netflix's latest number one trending show, Inventing Anna? Yeah, we talked about it last week. Did we? Yeah. How far How far in did you get to? Uh, I got halfway through, and then went on Hulu, and Hulu started pushing their 2020 special on Anna. Right. And then everywhere that I went, they were just pushing that. I was like, okay, <laughs> clearly whatever's on the number one for Netflix, we're all going to push. Uh, her accent is bunk, bro. After I have <laughs> now seen what she actually speaks, right? how can you give an incredible... And yet, how is it an Emmy and Razzie-worthy performance at the same time? I don't think the way she acts is bad, but the way that she has decided to come up with this Tommy Wiseau accent has to be the worst thing Can't I have ever Tommy seen. Wiseau also. <laughs> it is ridiculous. It is disgusting. So what I said weird. to you last week, bro. It is bad. Yeah. It's, it's and the production so weird. I tried is garbage. To- Take the money away that you actually gave the real Anna, because I don't know why we're ethically doing that anymore, and put that to the show. But you wanted to make a cheap show to immediately, you know. Yeah, they spent all that money on uh, Shonda's contract and not necessarily on editing. Uh, It's, I don't know, man. The the show, like, it it has a, it has an easy to watch quality to it, but it's just so kind of like thin in terms of its characterizations, in terms of what it has to say, in terms of just how it presents its whole story. It's not lavish and, and exciting. It's boring. They're not uh, people. It, this was point A to point B. This was the person mm-hmm. who had this to do with the story. They don't feel like characters. Yeah. And, and more more than that, like I've now sat myself through this whole season of television. Oh, you finished it? I finished it. Uh, <laughs> I could not sleep last night and it provided me some company. And... I I just feel like I don't feel like I know that much more about what happened if that makes sense. Like yeah, I know some highlights, but like it's it's broken down in such a such a lack of substan- with with such a lack of substance that like I can't really tell you how this thing got started or like uh-huh. how she was really able to juggle it with, uh-huh. with and stay out of like and keep it all afloat. Like it just sort of takes a lot of that for granted and expects mm-hmm. you to not care. 
You know what Anna wants you to know, Zach. How about that? Right. You know exactly what she she got for the I think it was three hundred thousand dollars for four years from Netflix. She had Ted Sarandos like this. Like this is how we're gonna tell the story, <laughs> and we're gonna do it like this. It is crazy, dude. She is out there doing a press run, and part of that press run includes a number one Netflix original series from Shonda Rhimes, the biggest producer out there. And these episodes are over an hour. That's the thing. It is long. It is slow at certain points. Like, it, it's... I, I just don't get... It, there's certain sometimes where I'm watching an episode and I feel like, all right, it must be over soon. And I check the time code and there's still 40 minutes left. It's ridiculous, man. Um, I don't know, man. It's easy hey, background watching, but it, it's just so... And people so, eat this up. It's the crime story yeah. that they want. And it's this uh, irony of us not wanting to give people like that attention, yet wanting to give them attention because we're intrigued by them. And people right. like Anna know that. Can we talk about that for a second? Because this is this thing that's happening in these ripped from the headline stories where... You know, everybody goes into the show thinking, oh, Anna's this guilty character. And then the show decides to say, no, we're all guilty, don't you think? And I just want to say, no, she is guilty. Anna is guilty. I'm just a Netflix subscriber. Don't point this back around on me. I didn't decide to pay Anna Delvey. That was Ted Sarandos. How many times has Netflix done this, bro? (laughs) I care a lot. I know I I I hate that movie. I actually like a lot of that movie. Yeah. But then I go like, what are you doing to stop these elderly people who are being abused? The opposite I of got you, a life, bro. <laughs> I'm not campaigning like, a movie to get an Oscar. That's what I'm not yeah. doing. So yeah, that's what this it's, is again. Yeah, and it's it's like the creators are trying to find a way to absolve themselves from the guilt of like exploiting a real life situation. Isn't that or something? every Netflix series from Cheer like, down to Tiger King? Right, like just, just as a creator, just have some guts and be like, if I'm gonna tell this story, I feel like I should tell it. Like I don't want, I don't want this half-assed apology hidden inside your story anymore. Bullshit. Yes, amen, yeah. amen, amen. All of it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that is what we've been watching. It's fine, um, though. It's fine if you it's care. Fine. For it. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It is totally fine to watch in the background. Uh, let us know what you've been watching. We're getting some comments from people saying single trunk female looks interesting. Uh, and a lot of uh, excitement over different things in the comments. Charles did ask us if we think Spencer being on Hulu puts Kristen Stewart yes, in sir? a more favorable position for the Oscar nomination than before. Yes, sir. We, we keep saying this. like they All these streamers are putting uh, their different movies available uh, on different platforms. Drive My Car is about to show up on HBO Max. Uh, even... Not, if it's not the movie itself, you have the supplementary movies like the Lucy and Desi doc showing up on Amazon to help boost Nicole help Kidman's it, yeah. chances. Like, the, well, yeah, the, wait, wait, this wait, is Drama part of on HBO. Yeah, dude, on March second. Beep 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 beep. Yeah, you know. Where's the person coming out then? Hulu. I don't know. I don't know. Probably because it's neon, but I don't know when. Neon, right? Um, I'm for this. Yeah. Uh, Power of the Dog, when that got all of its nominations of 12, I thought the dumbest joke Jimmy Kimmel made was making fun of the fact that, oh, it's tw- 12 nominations for the 12 people. So- Why'd you have them on your show? Right? Bro, your writers <laughs> like- are boomed, bro. It's terrible. Let's talk about how different this Oscars is. Power of the Dog would have been nominated any other year and no one would even know where to go find that movie. Y'all are really complaining. You bozos are still complaining like it's 2017. You can't use the line, oh, for a movie that's not accessible. It's on Netflix. Following its nomination, it re-went and boosted itself to the top 10. 
Yeah, the, it's not an obscure movie playing in a hundred art house theaters. Bruh, this is available for everybody. Our entire intercut run, we have always talked about. Damn, Zach, I gotta go over to New York just so I can catch those screenings, right? That one screening of Texas Chainsaw and then all the other Oscar nominees that are mm-hmm. gonna be out there. You needed to be in those places. We now have accessibility for everyone for what, $14.99 and where you still find a way to complain? Nah, that's dumb. It is the most accessible year that we've ever had. If a movie isn't on streaming, that seems out of pocket. Even mm-hmm. Nightmare Alley's on two services. Everything's mm-hmm. practically on a service. Except for the very few that at least are playing in theaters from Licorice to yeah. Worst. But I think it is fantastic to be able to have that uh, ability to see it. And I think the people who don't like it are the people who are mad that they don't get to flex anymore. That I saw a movie and I know more about it than you. If right. that's the only joy you find in life, then damn, bro. <laughs> I don't know what to yeah. tell you. I love it's the accessibility. That- It's that, and then it's the people who just don't understand what the Oscars even are, right? Like, this isn't an award for the movie that the most people saw, right? This is a movie about craft, and it's chosen by people who are in the industry who decided that this is the most highly crafted, well-crafted set of films that are out there. And I think, you know, when when you look at the box office and you see that... Worst person in the world did over a million this weekend. When you see that Drive My Car is selling out cinemas for some locations. Movies are back, baby. That stuff doesn't happen without the Oscar nomination. But the Spider-Man No Way Homes are going to sell just as many tickets regardless. And I, I think people need to remember that that's partially why the Oscars exist. Many of these movies, these King Richards and Last Duels and... Uh, you know, to a different extent, even Spencer's and stuff like that probably just would not get made or made at least for the budgets that they do get made for if it weren't for these award shows uh, awarding them. So, and it's not that the award show. Oh, so finish your thought. Sorry, finish I was just thought. say I'm tired. I'm tired of people who don't actually like love movies trying to say what the movie award show should do. Yeah, again, it's the early box office uh, during the pandemic where they were worried about the box office and trying to put those numbers on streaming stuff when it's like, y'all are just box office analysts. You're not, you're just upset because you might lose your job. It's the same thing here. People just want a reason to be upset for it. And I, I don't know. I appreciate the fact that these movies are making the money at the, bo- at the box office and that there's screenings for them. Because that was one thing we were dealing with last winter was that there was just no showings for a bunch of the other mm-hmm. movies. A lot of people couldn't see Licorice. A lot of people couldn't see any of the movies that were uh, getting independent releases. But I really like this idea that, you know, uh, with theaters being open, people can go see it in a theater. People can go see it at home. A lot of these movies are also simultaneously playing in theaters and at home. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. So yeah, I, I think it's a good thing. And again, it's not the Oscars that make the movie. It's the fact that we put so much on the Oscars and not on the Critics' Choice or the Globe or anything. That's on us. We hype them up to a mm-hmm. degree that it becomes an ecosystem where the movies want to get the Oscars to be able to put it back. We could just go watch the movies. Like you said, for Spider-Man, we do just go watch those movies, but these movies are left to only be represented in the one thing that we deem worthy, which is the Oscars. All of us who hate the Oscars and criticize them, at the same time, give it the power to be the Oscars and what it is, so. Absolutely. Earlier in our episode, when we were talking about Uncharted, Hydrocats asked us, do we ever think there will be a good video game adaptation um i mean we talked a little bit we might have even talked about this on last week's live stream that the last of a show upcoming on hbo is something we both have 
our our eyes on coming in uh, from the future. Craig Mazin being the showrunner on that. I think you were saying the director of Beanpole is signed up to direct at least some of the episodes, if not all the episodes. Uh, Some interesting actors attached to that as well. So I'm definitely excited for that to come out. Um, Are there any video game adaptations that you would say are good already? Because, I mean, a lot of people like Detective Pikachu, but that was kind of... I saw that mentioned as well. I think it's a fun movie. But that's not. I I don't know if I consider that like I a agree video game you. adaptation, much as a, a character from a video mean. game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel you with that. I'd say the exact same thing. So when it comes to like the Super Mario's, it's like a variation of it to a degree. But it's that idea that we have had so many terrible video game movies that I think when we get a good one, people mistake it as great because we're just so used to the garbage. Um, yeah. I think the type of Pikachu is a, a, a fun one. I think Arcane's a fun show. I think we're getting to that point where we're now realizing what we can do with these characters. Because Dr. Pikachu, like you said, is not an adaptation. Or Doc, Detective Dr. Pikachu. Detective, yeah. I'm over here doing the Doctor one. I got the spinoff already <laughs> set. It's that idea that you're not just trying to adapt a video game because that's not possible. You need to do it for the form. And little yeah. by little, I think we're getting there. And mm-hmm. one day we will get something that will really blow us away. I think yeah. we've had really know. good stuff. But I don't mm-hmm. think we've had a, a masterpiece. I don't know if you said this last week, may, maybe not, but also the idea of using TV rather than movies for your adaptation, considering how big video game worlds are, it makes a little bit more sense. Like, if you like a video game, part of what you like is living in that world, and TV can exactly. give you a better sense of that than a movie, which is more contained to, like, this is the story we want to tell. Great point. All right, so let's get into the new to see and talk about some of the upcoming releases over the next week. Stuff to look forward to. Uh, first off, on February 20th, that was yesterday, uh, we got Mr. Bachman and his class, which was uh, which is now available on Mubi. This was like a big award winner, I think, in oh, Berlin. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard that much about it, but I, I it's on movie. feel like maybe it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also uh, a few stuff like Dunker Die coming to digital. France is going to be on VOD. We talked about Leia that film yeah. back when it was in theaters. Bruno Dumont's latest. Uh, Give or Take hits DVD. Hard Hit hits digital. Destination Fear is on Discovery Plus on February 24th, but the film on February 24th, I'm really excited for is Hellbender. We caught this one at Fantasia Fest last year mm-hmm. and really enjoyed this family tale of of witchcraft. Uh, it's a it's a really cool little movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you see might see some of the uh, gaps in their budget, but I think it still does a really great job at giving you a sense of atmosphere. And even though the first half to me was like a really fun hang, it does give you that witchy sense of dread and scares in the letter in the latter half. Uh-huh. I would highly highly recommend Hellbender. Same. It's definitely it's a, one of my picks for the week. Yeah, this is a family starring as said family. Making the movie themselves, passing the camera around whenever one of them is not on screen. We love that. Catch it on Shutter when you can. Very, very cool. Uh, On February 25th, there's a lot of releases, including Big Gold Brick in theaters. That one has Andy Garcia, Lucy Hale, Emery Cohen. Uh, The Burning Sea is in theaters and on VOD. I think a lot of people have been talking about that. Uh, Butter hits theaters. Caged Bird is on virtual. Creation Stories hits AMC Plus as well as VOD. It's one of the first ones of these RLJE 
Films AMC Plus team-ups that they're doing where they release the film and they put it on AMC Plus, I think. Um, okay. But I think the first notable one that we want to talk about uh, heading into this weekend is Cyrano, which yes, finally sir. expands into more theaters. I think uh, most people who are close to a major city should be able to see Cyrano by this weekend. It did not do as well as I think they were hoping to at the Oscars. I think a lot of people had uh, Peter Dinklage pegged as a potential Best Actor candidate, and he mm-hmm. missed out on that. Uh, it's the latest film from director Joe Wright, who I find to be pretty hit or miss. I mean, a lot of people really love Pride and, his version of Pride and Prejudice, as well as Atonement. Darkest Hour did pretty well at the Oscars, Once Upon a Time. Uh, he's got some stuff like Hannah and the Soloist and Anna Karenina. Are you a fan of Joe Wright and specifically his film The Woman in the Window starring Amy Adams? <laughs> the one that should have been nominated. Uh, I, a, I, I mean, I grew up watching Pride of Prejudice and Atonement. I had people who really liked those movies. Yeah. And I think he's a fine director. I really like how he's approaching this. I know he got rid of the nose aspect of it for the story of Cyrano. But he made it a musical in where you actually... He actually recorded them on set, and they're supposed to be like floods mm-hmm. and everything, and he wants to use all that to mesh in with the themes of what Cyrano's supposed to be about being your true self. All right, all interesting. That cast, dude, I'm there for Peter Dinklage. I'm there for our boy Kelvin. And then Haley Bennett, that's what I'm there for. It's the cast that's really bringing yeah. me into this one. Not to mention there's a surprise Ben Mendelsohn lurking in this movie somewhere, and I'm always there for Ben Mendelsohn. Okay, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, this is one of my most anticipated for this week. Yeah, one of my picks for the week as well. Uh, another film that's coming out in theaters is Desperate Hour, starring Naomi Watts. She's mm. in a lot of these kind of a like lot of hours. Shocky... The <laughs> yeah. hour, Desperate Hour. <laughs> She's not in the hours, is she? No, but maybe she should retroactively. Okay. We can put her in we'll that in one. There. Uh, there's a movie called Family Squares coming to theaters in VOD. This is. I feel like we've been getting so many of these Zoom comedies, and this is like maybe the last one. Yeah, huge cast in this one. Ann Dowd, Elsie Fisher, Judy Greer, Billy Magnuson, Margot Martindale, Sam Richardson, Timothy Simmons. Uh, It's, I don't know if that's your vibe. Maybe check that one out on VOD. Uh, Friends and Strangers hits the Metrograph. Gasoline Alley hits theaters. That's another Bruce Willis straight to VOD action movie. Uh, My Best Part on theaters and VOD. Also uh, hitting Hulu is the film No Exit. This one is about a group that gets stranded at an isolated rest stop along the highway uh, when one of them discovers a kidnapped body in the van outside. It, it, uh, you know, a tense thriller, horror uh, mix-up of genres. We are embargoed from talking about this one, yeah. uh, but we will bring it up next week, right? It's, it's one of those 20th Century Fox movies that should have been a theatrical push, but now it's being mm-hmm. sold to Hulu. So they make this big deal because it's a theater movie and you got to be really careful because it's not going to be available on Hulu and just sitting there like every other <laughs> movie does. It's a, it's a shame. They're, they're really dumping all those 20th yeah. Century movies. I didn't get to see it because I knocked out because of the embargo. I mean, did you sign up to the debut? As you know, you yeah. got to do the view and you got to log in through your phone to log into the app to get the authenticator and then you got to authenticate in there. But then once you and log then, in, you forgot to sign. So then you have to re-sign into the browser yeah. to then authenticate and then be able to sign it off and then make sure that no one's in your house who lives, breathes, you <laughs> can see. And, and then, then beyond that, after you've si- you initialed and signed the document saying you're not going to break embargo. Signed. They still put your name across the entire the screen in a watermark. The from debut. I kept looking, really I was like, what location is this? What location is the AZ Reviews? <laughs> uh, but 
We can't even say anything, so I don't even know. No exit coming to Hulu soon. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, rookie season hits theater. Servant hits virtual. Uh, another movie that we talked about last week, Strawberry Mansion. It was in theaters last weekend, and it is on VOD this weekend. A creative movie with a lot of vision that you liked a bit more than I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I'm done. My <laughs> Strawberry Mansions is done. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about it so We've many times at this point. Enough. But this one, I saw the trailer too, and I want to go see one of the movies in theaters last week. It looks goofy fun, dude. It looks like goofy fun. Yeah, it looks like it could be a fun time. Studio 666 starring the Foo Fighters. I mean, it, it's, it seems like a bizarre idea, but maybe it'll be a, a fun time. Uh, it's di- directed uh, by uh, BJ McDonald and stars all the guys from the band, as well as some recognizable actors oh. like Will Forte, Jenna Ortega, wow. Jeff Garland, Whitney Cummings. Yeah, we, we just got our screener for this one, so we'll oh, damn. report back. Okay. Because we'll I think the Metallica one is the only one I can think of where they kind of have right. this narrative about their concert and this is them making their 10th studio album or something and then he gets possessed. I don't know. I like the band. I like Foo Fighters, so I'm there for it. Uh, and then also coming out this weekend on Netflix is Vikings Valhalla. I think this is the, a spinoff of it the Stars Vikings show yeah. that like basically every bro in my life told me to watch at some point or another. Um, I hope so a I, lot of people like it. I hope Vikings is better, bro, because I caught the first episode and I thought <laughs> that Netflix cut that star's budget, bro. <laughs> it was. I, I've only seen one episode and I don't have the backstory, but this is one where I, I can't remember if it was a prequel or it's so much afterwards. It's kind of like the Game of Thrones one that's coming up that it's so far removed from your favorite characters. So it's like, just know that it's the world. No right. way anyone survived a thousand years. Exactly. It's the it, vibe, it's but it's the, not the yeah, characters. It's the IP. Uh, so if you're into it, you got 10 hours coming out this weekend. Yeah, it feels a little bit like studios are starting to clear a path for the Batman. Like nobody wants to be the movie that has terrible week two numbers because the Batman comes in and just eats up the entire box office. Hey, they heard that your boy did not sleep for the Riddler role. He hasn't eaten. (laughs) Did you read that article? I did. It's so funny. It's he's, so, he's just like, yeah, I, I worked up a lot of adre- adrenaline and it was hard to sleep on those nights. Like it wasn't anything like what people Twitter are making it like, out to he be. hasn't dreamt in years. <laughs> it's dumb. Uh, but, yeah, it's dumb. Uh, I don't know if you got your screening. I had bought, for those of you who don't know, you have an AMC, inve- so it comes out next Thursday. You mm-hmm. have your AMC Investor Connect screening, which you do not need to be. You just tell AMC you are on the app. You got Dolby screenings on Wednesday. Then you got the advanced screenings on Tuesday for IMAX that are the fan events. Those have sold out like crazy. But I think we got our press one this Thursday. We're going to be going to it. So I am so excited. We have a bracket that we're working on going through the 16 films of all the Batman uh, movies that shows him. So no Justice League, either cut. But there is so (laughs) many great Batman movies that have been out there. Uh, We will be including this new one as well. So if you want to join in on an upcoming bracket, this is your heads up to start binging all of the Batman goodness. as we compete to see what is the winner in our intercut bracket. Absolutely. Devesh asked us if either of us caught Kingsman this week now that it's on Hulu. I, I'm and not... HBO. Oh, wow. It's doing the double also. That surprised me. Um, I have not seen it yet. I've been waiting for it. I am not the biggest fan of the Kingsman ones. I own the first two, though, and I was well, I wanted to make like a timeline one. It's on Hulu. Still haven't watched it, but waiting on it because it's two hours and 15 minutes, and then Twitter spoiled it for me. And I saw <laughs> Zach, the stupidest. Jojo Rabbit himself. The stupidest after credits I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> and I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I definitely do. How this didn't get spoiled to me is <laughs> beyond unreal. my belief. Other than now that we have it in full quality, people weren't going to make it go viral until you actually had it in exactly. HD. And it looks so dumb. It's so stupid, man. It's I can't so do dumb. it with those movies. It's really bad. Like, Zach, have you seen the last episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm? The finale? Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to know. <laughs> Was that crossing a line? I think Larry knows how to do it. I, I think he knows how to cross the line delightfully. He took the step in the right direction, is what right. you're saying. Like, okay. I, think, I think Kingsman, the, you're the, the first series person I thought of when I saw that bit. <laughs> the finale. Alina, Good. Looks I, at, my brand... Alina looks at me and says, There's no way in hell Zach saw this and didn't tell you anything. I, I'm glad that I've established my brand. <laughs> so skip Kingsman, but, watch the finale yeah, of yeah. Uh, Curb. Exactly, much better instead. off. Wow. Wow, uh, Zach. Wow. So wow. now, Devesh, I've not seen Kingsman. But I've seen enough. <laughs> um, now that we've gotten <sighs> to the end of the new to seize, what are your picks for this week? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, besides Cyrano that I'll be watching in theaters along with obviously our advanced screenings, I am actually, my theater pick for the week is the Dolby re-release. Uh, what is it? 50th anniversary of The Godfather. I will be taking Lena to go see it. She has never seen either of The Godfathers before, Ooh. so it's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, it's going to be really cool to see it in Dolby. I am a mm-hmm. big fan of going back to see, you know, the re-releases of Jurassic Park and IMAX. Yeah. So to see this this movie up there, perfectly mixed. Uh, that that's my pick for the week there. And then in terms of streaming, I don't I don't think I have much other than the sitcom recommendations we had earlier, which was go check out Abbott Elementary, go see Grand Crew, go check out Single Drunk Female. There's a bunch of really good comedies out there uh, that I think we were sorely missing. I think there was a lot of 2020 and 2021 where we were like, why are we so depressed? I don't know. Sports are gone. Our all our funny movies are gone. Everything's so damn serious. What do you think? You know, we yeah. have this discussion all the time. They're like, ah, oh, I feel like everything's more political because we're not talking about anything else. <laughs> yep. It's, it's definitely Why nice to so laugh again. Why is there so much football talk during February? <laughs> so yeah. please go watch these comedies. They are great. Absolutely. They're delightful. Those are my picks. What'd you got, Zach? I'm with you in recommending Hellbender if you got Shudder and want to stream that. I'm with you in recommending Cyrano if you want to go to the movies and catch what... I've heard is a pretty delightful movie, even if it didn't get as much Oscars love as they wanted it to. Um, also, if you're looking for another streaming option, uh, one thing that I'm going to try and check out this weekend, or a week, I guess, is Attica, uh, which is the Oscar-nominated do- documentary. What did you think about it? I guess we could talk about it next week. Crazy, I, bro. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Yeah. It, it's one cool. of those where uh, there's an HBO one, uh, 40 Years a Prisoner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much in that alley. It's it's looking cool. back at an incident. And uh, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts. We'll discuss that next week. Yeah, so I would actually, uh, definitely recommend Attica Showtime. as well over on Showtime. Uh, lots of good stuff to do. Pink Sweets uh, mentions, did they already talk about Severance back on the Apple TV Plus game? Yes, Apple TV Plus, where it's at. Except for they didn't send me the severance screeners, so you I'm behind on it. You on your screener list, bro? I don't know why they didn't send it to me. They're usually so good about that. But um, uh, Yeah, you told me this one is really good. I went through uh, all the Apple screeners, and that was the one that stood out to me. I was like, ooh, this is kind of intriguing. It hasn't popped off, though. A lot of people talk about this weekly model for Euphoria and Boba Fett, and then forget that, guys, a lot of other ones are doing weekly models, and they get nothing. So don't yeah. make a narrative. 
when you also know that there's Squid Game that was also bingeable, Inventing Anna's bingeable. There's different models for different things. Stop thinking one's yeah. one or the other, but. Yeah, and we'll see because I, I don't know how many people are subscribed to Apple TV Plus, and I think in order for that weekly release to work, you need people to be tuning into your service and promoting. Yeah, Magnitude mentions that Attica not only is fantastic, but it is free on YouTube, hey, which I, I didn't realize. Nice. Very cool. Thank cool. you for uh, the heads up there. All right, so lots of cool stuff to see in theaters, on VOD, streaming, wherever you are. Let us know what you've been watching in the comments below or shooting us an email, intercutpod at gmail.com. You can also reach out to us on social media, inter at intercutpod, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are available on all those mediums. Okay, Art, should we get into our topic of the week and do some spoilers chat on Euphoria Season 2, Episode 7? Let's do a quick little talk on this, because this is the penultimate. Talk. Is the penultimate. Yeah, it, it's uh, leaving our lives all too, all too quickly. My favorite editing, probably, of any of the Euphoria episodes. And the craziest budget. Out of all the Euphoria episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, didn't, did not know that high school theater departments had that kind of budget, but shouts to Lexi getting her <laughs> authorial vision through. Budget ain't even the problem, man. The moment that they had that locker scene one, I was like, there ain't no way in hell this is allowed. And there was a point of me when I was watching this, and I'm going, how can adults sit there and watch high school? Oh, I'm watching Euphoria. <laughs> my, I got trouble in high school for having the word ass in a play that I directed. Like, yeah, th 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 that, that is not an issue at prison. the Euphoria High School. Completely different time, Zach. This time, you know, if, you're, if opioids are not in your play, I don't think they're fun to get at the school. <laughs> I, I will say this, since we're in spoilers. Uh, this is the episode where uh, everyone realized that she's Judd Apatow's daughter. <laughs> I, I think this woman is handled some has been dealing with some nepotism. <laughs> nepotism. Um, she's cool though. Don't be a loser and try to. We know the nepotism talk. There's several people who deserve the nepotism talk. Guess who doesn't? When you didn't realize she had nepotism and you had no problem with her, the moment right? you figure it out, then that's not a problem. Say Emily in Paris. You've never liked Lily Collins. The moment you realize who her father is, then you can go. Oh, it all makes sense now. It's a pretty face. I like her. I think she's fine. I think she's yeah. she's good. I mean, it's not like her mom isn't an actress, that her dad isn't a director, and she hasn't been in these projects, or that she's taking a role from somebody else who doesn't deserve it. She plays this character perfectly, and she's hosting her play, her version of, I think she called it Our Lives, and it's, I've realized her and the dude who dated Kat. I don't know his name. The, the one she's Connor is the... Ca character, I think? I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. He, and in the play, he ends up playing uh, several different characters in the play yeah. for her. These two are Sam Levinson. <laughs> They've literally cut this boy's hair to look just like Sam in the behind the scenes. And I realized mm -hmm. these two are Sam Levinson in the Sam, show. Sam and Ashley Levinson, maybe? <laughs> probably. Because as you know, Euphoria, as he told us in his... Is that his uh, wife's name? Maybe, probably. But he uh, vented. What am I calling him? What's his name? His name's Sam, no? Yeah. From Euphoria? Yeah. Uh, the Netflix one that he had that I know you did not enjoy. Oh, uh, shoot. <laughs> Malcolm um, and Marie is yes. him venting that he had a very successful show because he used someone's story. Well, look who you have now. A director who's directing your play with nobody knowing that it's the story of their lives, which I find kind of goofy. Like, y'all didn't know she was putting on this entire production? Does that say more about your <laughs> friendship with her that you didn't even realize this was happening? Mind you, she didn't realize Rue was getting on the hardest drugs possible without doing anything, but 
there's a point where she looks at, uh, I think, the actress who's playing her sister. And she gives her a note. And she starts crying. She goes, it's a Derek Terrio note. Just take it and don't make a big deal. <laughs> On the week that all the drama between Sam and Ferreira has come out, I found it mm-hmm. funny. He's really just and putting himself on this on this uh, I guess pedestal as these two characters and just telling you straight out, hey, I'm telling you the story and I love the theater is what he says. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, a episode. It's definitely a big flex on their part, it kind is. of sh- being like, look at we, what we can do. We can do this meta narrative that weaves in and out of the story and connects all the characters and and play with all the things that you know that uh, that I know you're making fun of about the show. It, he is really leaning into it with this episode. I did think that it was pretty entertainingly put together, even Loved if there it, are. Bro. Even if there are parts that I maybe was just like, you know, I, I find we've talked about it before. Like, I think the elements of euphoria that don't feel like reality do feel like heightened reality. Right. Um, he says it, yeah. Yeah. But like, this is the one time that I felt myself being a little bit like, all right, this, this is much. a lot. This is yeah. a lot happening. Yeah. And, and for all of this to be literally broadcast to all of the characters in this world uh, feels like just that. Yes. It's, it's that they've been calling this a heightened sort of uh, looking back on a memory. It's a daze this whole season, but in reality Mm -hmm. for one character that works, the moment you have one character in that and then everyone else is reacting, you have now made it reality in this world. And, And it just feels a little bit like, it feels less authentic to the high school experience for me, right? Like even when they show uh, That's fair. them, the characters doing the craziest things, it still feels authentic to high school to me in some way. Okay. And, and I'm wondering how they're going to deal with the fallout of like, you've just broadcasted my life and my deep, dark secrets to the entire high school. Right. And I'm not sure that I trust euphoria to, to handle the fallout to that in a way that feels intelligent and true to its characters. But fun? But But it'll definitely be fun. It's definitely going to be a lot of entertainment uh, next week when we get that. Nate, I I would not come back to the school for a week. (laughs) I would not not come back to school. It's as simple as that. Yeah. The way Nate left, I'm not doing that. Why why did he come back to school at all after he got arrested? Like, but but that's a different episode. Um... There's actually a lot to talk about in this, but in terms of all of the other stuff that's going on, there's a big reveal with Nate in this episode. Mm-hmm. How did you feel that played off without saying something that causes you two to shut down the entirety of Intercut? <laughs> it's just a couple of frames. It's a really quick shot during sequences in this episode in particular where it is really becoming... I don't want to say certain directors' names who have certain styles, but it's becoming very uh, dreamlike. It is becoming Mm -hmm. very uh, fantastical, almost like, I don't even know. There's a a specific sequence with Nate where he is interacting with several characters all in one go. And it's meant to, like, be his psyche of the different women in his life, but then also kind of answering a question that the mom hit him with last week, which is, you changed during a certain period in your life. What right. happened? And it seems like they've answered it. And uh, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to intelligently, what else did you say? Uh, cohesively or anything like that. Really get into that back story for him. But it's a pretty big reveal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that I took it to be a little bit more of like a... a 
metaphorical reveal than like okay. a literal reveal, but it still just casts a different light on his character and feels like a weird thing to shove into an episode that's only ten, only sort of like barely about him. Yeah, um, I don't know it. It's weird because this episode is kind of they're they're billing it as like the Lexi episode, and she's the one who carries us through it. And so much of it is about everybody but her. Cassie, and, why is every episode this season ends with beams of Cassie online? <laughs> Especially after this one. Yeah, I. It'll be interesting to see how they resolve it because the the also the next week on hinted at a lot of uh, kind of explosive things happening, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I'm still enjoying the show, although I don't know if I find it as artful as I did in the first season. Uh, even in terms of its dialogue, I think there's just certain certain bits that I miss. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm very, I'm still super curious about it, but it, it's a little bit. It's not as um, creatively um, creatively thrilling or creatively you know show stopping, I guess, as I think I found the first season to be. You think we're so heightened with it? Like, the first season was a surprise. It's novel. That's now true, Now you're too. expected, not only because of its own expectations of what the show set up, but because of everything mm-hmm. else that we're watching, something that we need a little bit of leeway to. Season three comes out, and it actually does something bad, and we go, damn, we missed season two. <laughs> you know? Right? I don't it's feel possible. It, I don't feel it's crossed it. I agree with you that it's not as great as one, but I don't feel it's crossed it over where I'm like, because clearly no one's done with the show. This isn't one of those where people have stopped. In fact, more people continue to tune in because of those who praise it and those who gripe about it. And those who dislike it are there every single week. Uh, and I think that's a sign of an effective show. Um, but the bit with Fez really pissed me off. I hate when an episode hints something. And it's literally five minutes dragged out over an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fez is one of my favorite characters in the show. I, I do kind of feel like I, I wish the play ended uh, during this episode. Uh, I, so I saw the screener. Did it start with an overture? On the actual... Uh, I, I saw the screener also. Okay, I, th- our I think we got the had same the, thing. Yeah, they had the overture that begins it, and then it says to be continued, which is... <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I know. There's an episode eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, how TV works. That's how TV even if you works. Say, <laughs> even if you want to say it's one long movie. <laughs> so we'll see where it goes. I just... It was too much teasing on the Fez storyline, and I... Yeah. Yeah, that, that seemed yeah. pretty cheap to me. But I think it ultimately does come down to, for me, the same thing that we were talking about when we talked about episode five, is that this show is best when it's focused. This episode gave it a bit of a focus, which is why I think it was one of the more interesting episodes we've gotten this season. Um, But not every episode has felt as focused to me. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the stories that came out this week? Uh, about Euphoria and, and Sam Levinson and so I'm not disagreements. As, yeah, I didn't get to fully get in depth to all of it, and I've heard various yep. sides of it. So whatever you tell me, I go off that, honestly. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel I, it's not complete either. I don't trust when people are talking about a story that was released, and then you're like, what are they talking about? And you go to your Twitter Explorer page, and Twitter's in cahoots with the Daily Dot, whoever shared it, and it's like, it's right there for you. I was like, this does not feel like a story. It feels like something, it feels like PR. So yeah. I can't even really judge whatever they're giving us as being true behind-the-scenes facts or not. I think a lot of the stuff that comes out in these behind-the-scenes things, especially when it comes out during the run of production, is going to be extremely slanted, right? Like, you, people who are, are leaking this type of information are trying to get a certain thing across. And I don't know if the true story really 
gets told until a little bit later down the line. I will say just in like what I know about the film industry, 15 to 17 hour days are not that crazy at all. In fact, they're okay. Tom Cruise. They're they're better than what a lot of productions do. I mean, like this, this is isn't I'm you. this isn't like uh, that Alec Baldwin Rust shoot, right? Like yeah. they were doing twenty one hour days on that shoot. That's very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as for the shot list thing, like that's how a lot of directors just work now. Sorry that not everybody is as talented as my boy Spielberg, but like everybody, people, modern directors, because of digital cameras and because of the way. I mean, I guess it, they're shooting on film, but they treat it that way. So that was because, a big deal. They were calling out it like being unprepared yeah they were calling call, calling out for being unprepared but and the that extending movie, the days have shot line. so it's like yeah you're right you're right you're bringing up something that that is not necessarily a bad it's like reshoots it's an industry standard yeah, yeah reshoots happen some people like to think that is a bad thing but mm-hmm. when it's their favorite movie oh of course the reshoots needed to happen you could take yeah. that narrative either way that's why i'm saying i can't judge this behind the scenes talk Right. And like, so a lot of people like to bring up that not every set is like this way. And yes, like Steven Soderbergh runs his set really nicely. Clint Eastwood runs his set in a way that makes sure they get the one take and they go home. But like, you know, the, you but get you different products. Show. Of, yeah. Like if you want this show, this is what they, they've done. And like, I don't know, I, it doesn't strike me as like an abusive situation. Like sounds, it stri- strikes me as maybe like uncomfortable and not a fun job, but a, a, it's a job. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's breaking any union rules, unlike a lot of other productions out there. I will say this. Do you remember uh, Algie's character? I'm trying to even uh, figure out what his character's name was. At the beginning, Algie Smith, uh, he was Cassie's oh. ex-boyfriend. You've only yeah, seen yeah. him once in this season. It was at the beginning, I think, when Nate is like, yeah, um, hanging out with Cassie. How was it? How did she feel? That's the only bit where he gets so aggressive with him. We've literally yeah. not seen that actor. To mm-hmm. me, McKay. that is McKay. an he is an actor who deserves to talk smack. Because if you don't recall, in the first season, they edited his scenes opposite to what he thought it was supposed to be when they kind of mm-hmm. like abused him. So then for season two, for him to not even be here, except for that one scene where he's belittled, and then you don't bring him up again until the play when he's just a bit. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah. Where they cast a guy sitting on the other uh, football player. I'm like, people are complaining about Cat, but I've seen Cat. Right. She's had storylines in this she season. She needs more. She needs more. But Algie just disappeared, dude. I also think with the Cat stuff, like sometimes characters just sort of grow and lessen in importance in, in the scheme of a show. You know, like th- this season had more Lexi stuff than last season. Next season, I bet you will have more Cat stuff than this season did. We'll see. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Is that I is really that like Ru's mom? I've liked Ru's mom, oh, yeah. and I've liked um, uh, her sister as well. I don't know. Why I'm blanking on her name since she's been in a wrinkle in time. Storm Lassa. Reed, she has, uh, the dude, actor. Storm Storm Reed yeah. has been killing it this season. She's she really called good. her out uh, after Ru had relapsed, and then the conversation with the mom this week when she was munching down on that ice cream, bro. I, we literally opened up our ice cream because of the way she was eating it. But the speech she gave her when she was willing to tell her, if I have two daughters, I'm not losing both. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they have yeah. been on one. They Good have stuff. been on one. Good yeah, stuff. Anything happening in Rue's house is next level stuff. And if I may, that one episode where Rue went on her whole spiral, none of that looks like Euphoria TM. There are plenty of shots in Euphoria that if you cut them together you can get a whole hour of griminess and not this Mm -hmm. ecstasy that people associate with euphoria there is a lot of drama uh that i think the show is able to to deliver 
and in Rue's household, I think they really killed it this season with a lot of those conversations. Absolutely, yeah. And I, it, that's the storyline to me that has worked the most. Uh, and it's funny because it is the most removed from the whole high school drama stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I saw Kyoto Rue in the comments um, mentioned that they really like uh, all the scenes with Ali. And yeah, Coleman Domingo is such a great actor and brings so much pathos to this mm, show. But He's so good. Uh, we, we, I guess we can't just follow Rue, even though it is some of the most interesting stuff on Euphoria. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's about it for our wrap-up on Episode 7. Are there any things that you were hoping we'll see on Episode 8? Or are you just letting Yo, Sam decide for us? Look, Episode 8, by the time we get to that, we're going to make that its own video. We kind of have to make it its own video. The finale yeah. uh, live stream. So if y'all are going to catch yeah. it, please do so. Uh, I'm assuming we might get an early link so that we'll be able to have a bunch of prep that we could do for it. But probably sometime next uh, Monday, we could probably do it too for and have an extra little stream so we can talk full spoilers. Yeah. It, it it be its own thing. A death. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's an, it's we're season two, bro. So, so, we need a repercussion. I I do. I think it's interesting to see what will happen because Euphoria has done a lot with its characters this season and putting them in precarious situations without them facing real consequences. Right? Like everybody's okay in terms mm -hmm. of where they are where their characters are right now and i don't think that the show would make a whole lot of sense for all its characters to be okay by the end of the next episode so curious to see how what, what kind of uh how how daring they're gonna be if we're gonna maybe even not have all the same cast members sit next season but that's the other thing is like sometimes i feel like this is just contractual stuff and they're not gonna kill off a character just because it would make dramatic sense because like nobody wants to see that actor leave the show. So, yeah. Well, I'm excited for it. We'll have a whole discussion for that, but, uh, yeah, watch Abed elementary. It's a really uh, good show <laughs> <laughs> where you're seeing a school that definitely needs at least a fraction of the funding that Lexi had. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that's just about going to wrap us up for this week's edition of the weekly must watch on intercut. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or letterboxd at Z Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, tweeting about me answering my Dolby Screedy. You can find me on LME Explain on Letterboxd, logging my Batman screening this Thursday. And you can find me next week on the Intercut Podcast. I think we're allowed to. Talking about the Batman, bro. It's here. It's We're going to do it. The season Batman. is starting, man. We have so many big movies this year. And it begins this next week. No, this <laughs> it's week. Still cold outside. <laughs> it's still cold outside, but summer movie season is starting Bro, soon. I was telling Alina that summer movie season used to start on Memorial Day weekend in May. Mm -hmm. Then it became the 10th. Then it was April. And then DC's like, screw it. We're going to go all the way to March. Wow. <laughs> Let's go. It's exciting. Exciting stuff. You can catch every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Podcast's uh, the Intercut Podcast's weekly must-watch live stream streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. 
please leave us a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout out and talk to our listeners in Denmark for putting us on the TV hey. and film podcast charts out there. Like our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests we feature here on Intercut. You can also catch more from us by uh, joining the Intercut Discord, which you can find a link to in the description of this podcast, and support the show for as little as $1 a month on Patreon to get access to early episode outlines, um, perhaps early looks at the show, and our monthly patron hangouts which will be happening uh, right shortly now. after this yeah so we're looking uh, to cover all the stuff for the upcoming month play some movie trivia so hop on if you're free yeah so if, if you're on the live stream you got a couple minutes left to join us in our uh, monthly patron hangout but that's about all for this week's show thanks again for tuning in and until next time i still don't understand what lexi's play is actually about though our lives <laughs>